Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we'll be delving into the importance of pursuing your passion. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Today, we're sitting down with Chef Patrick Adams, the creative mind behind GD Catering LLC. Together, we'll discuss Chef Patrick's journey and passion for cooking and the culinary arts, and relive some of his career highlights, such as cooking for President Obama. Let's get started. Chef Patrick, yes. how long have you been a chef? Been a chef for 23 years now. And what made you decide to go into cooking for a living? You know, the crazy part about this, I grew up in a household where we have access to both grandmothers. And they usually cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We didn't know about fast food until later on in life. But when I got to middle school, high school, and the fact that I was actually skipping school to cook for my date because I had the ability to cook. And that's what the initial love to this game was. And the more I did it, the more I fell in love with it. And the more I figure out that I can do certain things based upon what I have saw my grandmother's cooking and my mom cooking a lot. So when I started doing things like that, I just fell in love with it. And then, you know what? I kept doing it. And I had a brief stint in some other activities I was doing. And then the love was always there. And so the passion just grew and grew. And all of a sudden, I said, you know what? This is something I want to do when I get in my adult life. And that's what I proceed doing. So bottom line, Chef Patrick, you, you, you started cooking to get dates, huh? Absolutely. That was a blessing. That was a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> so, w w what were you doing before you decided to make this uh, your profession? What what other things did you do? What was that journey like to get to here? Did you, you know, listen, growing up, man, I mean, it was like, for us in the neighborhood, crab in the barrel, everybody, you know, we didn't really have mentors around where we're growing up. The street guys basically was a mentor for us. And for me, every day was like combat. And I lived some of that. And, you know, for the neighborhoods that I was in, it's pretty much all we know is death and misery. And you know, you know how it is in the inner city, in the hood. It, it was nothing pretty. We finally climbed out of it. A lot of us played sport, played football, did that, and did a part of the military life. That's something else that we'll discuss another day. But that part of it kind of taught me certain things, the ability to be able to complete the task, to see in front of me instead of looking behind me, because in the inner city, man, I mean, drug dealers, you know how that works. That's all we knew. So we did whatever it did to survive, and I survived that. And for me to step from point A to point B and all the way to Z, it's, the transformation is amazing. So I appreciate the way that I was brought up, and that's why right now my kids would never live the life that I live because I wanted something better for them, and that's why I work so hard right now to make sure that their life is going to be great. And where did you grow up? Um, mixed in, in, in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn, and then down here in Florida. Um, you know, left from Brooklyn, came to Florida, and started living on my own. And I had to make it work, whatever it took. And, and where do you currently live now? Right now, I live in Palm Beach County in Wellington, and that's where I reside now. Okay. Now, you, you, you briefly breezed past the military. What branch of the military were you in? Marines, the Marines. Marines. 
Okay. So uh, tell us about once you got into cooking, how did you sort of go from cooking in your kitchen now to having a full-time business? Did you, did you go to school or were you all self-taught? Yeah, mostly self-taught, but I went to school. Um, actually, um, in high school, you know, they have this culinary program off-site that I was doing after football practice, usually attend that. And then after when I did my military stint and came out, I actually went to um, Connor Institute of America, finish up, and then actually got into the field. So when I got into the field, it, you know, the jobs wasn't as good as it is now. Um, I started hating it a little bit. I stepped away from it, and I actually went to a, um, uh, a granite fabrication plant, and I was working there. So the first job I ever had in this field that was significant, other than the small jobs I had before, was a four-season ocean granite in Palm Beach. I went there, and I was actually installing all the granite. The executive chef, Robin Haas, saw me interacting and have all my guys. I was actually, you know, on the meet. I was taking care of everything. I was a foreman in the job. And he looked at me. He said, he didn't even know if I went to culinary school or not to cook. He said, you know what? Soul brother. You know, he's a white gentleman. He just died this year from brain cancer. And he said to me, he said, listen, I would love for you to come work for me. I've been watching for the last month. And the kind of person that I see that you are now, I would love to have you come work for me. Never thought about it. I said, you know what? I'm going to think about it for a little bit. And then a couple of days later, I said, you know what? I'll come in and try it. He hired me from day one. Never looked back. I was the first guy that actually propelled from actually being a line cook to a sous chef working on the hem within the course of four months. You know what I'm saying? So that was an amazing accomplishment for me. So wait a minute, Chef Patrick. So you was at the Four Seasons putting in granite. Putting in granite. In the whole and building. then next thing you know, you're in the kitchen cooking. I'm in the kitchen <laughs> cooking just by seeing him for the last month, and he's seen exactly what we're doing. They were just putting it in the kitchen together. So, so did he ask you if you knew how to cook? No. Or? He just said it was something about me and the way that I interact with my guys. He would love to have something like that in his kitchen. And did you tell him you could cook? No, didn't have a conversation. Mr. Lewis, we didn't even have one iota of a conversation about cooking. He just said, I wanted to come work for me. And that was the end of the conversation. So you show up for work. Show up for work. And then what do they tell you to do? So he came in there. He said, no, I got a uniform for you. Went downstairs, got dressed, came back up. And he wanted me to trail behind him because, you know, he's the executive chef. He was doing the expedite. So he came behind the line and said, hey, fellas, I'm going to jump in. I went on the, um, the saute station with him and I was there doing everything. And I was just flow in motion. He started, I was finishing it. He was looking, taking notes. And I think he was there for about an hour and a half going over the same meals. And then all of a sudden I just jumped in and start doing it. He was giving me information from outside. He was coming back and that's all I needed. We, t we talked about this probably a month later about my color background. Uh-huh. And that was it. And I just picked it up. I never looked back ever since then. Okay. All right. So currently, do you get most of your clients? How do you, how do you get them? Uh, do you advertise? Uh, do well, How do people mouth, know about you? Word of mouth right now. And we're starting to do some soft rollout of some, you know, internet marketing now via web and things like that. But most of my business actually come from word of mouth. That's exactly how I get most of my clients now, currently. 
And are most of your clients, are they businesses or are they individuals? Are they celebrities? Uh, they're celebrities, they're, um, they're businesses, they're individual people. We do weddings, bar mitzvahs, any kind of social event we can do. We do things for the hospital, JFK Hospital, all these big hospitals here. But COVID kind of changed the landscape of what we do this year. So we just mm-hmm. got to navigate around it and then just, you know, reinvent a new normal and then proceed ahead. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just can't give up. You got to keep pushing yourself. So when you say you do events for hospitals, like, like like what type of events do you do for hospitals? We do their holiday parties. Like JFK Hospital, um, they usually roughly around 1,200 people. Mm-hmm. Or St. Louis Medical Center, probably about 800 to 1,000. Longwood Hospital, 2,400 people. So things towards that nature. And if the doctor is having a special event, like the award um, banquets, we usually take care of those and things toward that nature. So what is that transition and, and that level up that you can go for cooking for, uh, for 50, 60, 70 people to 1,000 people? How many people on a staff do you have to have? What type of coordination is it? What type of kitchen do you have to have to be able to cook for a thousand people? You know, space and refrigeration. So basically, if we're doing something for 2,400 people, is about execution, is all about prepping. Once you organize and you prep for those numbers, it's all about just multiplying those numbers. It's just, if I'm cooking for 10 people, we're just going to multiply that and go from there and get the portion right. So if we're doing that, it's pretty simple. We start prepping. We're putting everything together. And usually for something like that, we'll have like 10 chefs in the kitchen doing prepping the whole entire week in order for us to do it. And most of the stuff that we do, we cook on site. So if we're prepping the whole entire week, small, mise-en-place things, when we get to that, that morning, usually early in the morning, we'll get up to the site, set up, and then we'll start cooking the process and putting everything together that way. So for me, it's easy. If I'm doing 10 people or 1,000 people, it's just about manpower to make it work. But the recipe stay the same. And, and how do you find that manpower? Are these people that are full-time, or do you contract them uh, uh, by event? By event. I have a skeleton staff now. So basically, I will have 10 people um, as far as chef available or five sometimes and then they have other jobs because at the end of the day we're we're busy four or five days a week on the off season in the off season we're busy in the in the the season we're busy seven days a week so it's based upon what time of year it is and everything else and that's how we put it together so with servers i have servers they're all independent contractors so if i need to get a hundred servers I can get that in a heartbeat because I have other people in the industry that will work with each other and I keep my core of 48. But anything after that, I just have to reach out to my buddy and say, hey, I need 20 extra or 30 or 40 and I will have them ready to go. And they were professional people that actually can gel and make anything happen. So, Chef Patrick, you know, in in most businesses, they kind of work like this. Everybody got a license, Mm -hmm. but... Very few people are excellent at it or uh, don't make mistakes. So how do you determine who is great for you? How do you determine the talent uh, in the kitchen? How do you make that decision? What is it that you see? What is it that you know? Is it how they organize? 
you know, it's like driving. Everybody got a license, but everybody don't need one, all right? Absolutely, absolutely. My thing is, whenever I bring a new chef in um, to work for me, you have to cook for me first. So my thing is, I don't look at the resume until when we finish cooking because a resume could be made up and I have no time for it. So if you have talent, you're going to show it in your food. So I tell them, whenever I look at anything, smell, taste, presentation is what's going to sell me. So if it look good, it should taste good, like just like everything is in life. So when they come in and they present it, I'm going to tell, I'm going to see what kind of skills they have and what we need to work on and we need to adjust. And by me tasting the food, that's going to tell me everything. So you present it well, it smell well, it tastes well, then we can work with you. And that's how it works. Because in this business, you'll find a lot of people that come through this business. They don't have the skills, but they're trying to hold on. But they'll come in and oversell themselves. I said, don't oversell yourself. If you don't have the skills, tell me. I will train you. You'll sit alongside me. We'll put parties together. And you'll be able to learn something that you can excel and grow from here. But, you know, it's hard to find good people these days. You know how it is. You got, you know, it's like you got to go through, weed through a whole lot of them to find the good ones. But unfortunately, um, in our field, we have some good ones and I keep them around for a long period of time. You know, most people say they cook because they love it. Do you yeah. love it? Oh, I love it. It's like a passion, brother. I love it. I can do it every day of the week. I have been doing it every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, in order to be successful in anything you do, you have to love it. You know what I mean? You know, things will grow old eventually, like any job. You'll get sick of it and you want to move on and do something else. And that's when you got to be able to know when it's time for you to close it up and move on. For me, the passion is there every day of the week. I'm ready to create something new and I'm ready to get in the kitchen and make it work. What type of advice would you give to people who may want to be a chef? You know, you know, I cook, but I can't be a chef. All right. You know, <laughs> well, the advice I give to anybody that's trying to get in this field, you got to know what you're getting into because as long hours, you know what I'm saying, weekends and holidays, you're going to be in the kitchen. So if you're willing to forego those things and you're willing to get in and make some things work, I think that's the best things for you to do. You know what I mean? So you got, and you're going to be in your feet for a long period of time. And you know, you got to check your health at the door and make sure that you're good because with these long hours and if you have underlying issues, they will come surface pretty quick with these long hours and not getting a lot of sleep. So those are the best things for you to actually look at first before you start looking at this industry. So <clears throat> you, you, you name several things. You, you name uh, taste, uh, uh, presentation, yes. organization. Uh, what are the most important things? Is it the, the taste of the food that's the most important thing? How it looks? What, yes. what, what is it? The, the taste of the food and presentation. Because for me, I can't just eat something when I look at it and it's not appealing. For me, it got to look good. It got to smell good. and got to taste good. And that's what I always look for when I look for food. So, so when people... <clears throat> There are a lot of people can can cook. How how do they get their presentation skills? Do they do they go to school for that? How do you get that? You know what it is. Um, for me, always have an eye for it. You can definitely do that, but you can actually learn that on your own because you know, right now, if you cook something, it's all about present. If you're organized and you're anal about certain things, you will work on that craft and get it right. It, you know, you don't have to look at somebody else's work. You can actually look at their work and actually take ideas from it and create something new for yourself. 
Because for me, you got to be unique in your own personal way. When you get in this industry, you're going to work on their chef. You take what that chef have taught you and then you take it and you build on it to create something in your own image, something that will actually flow with your background or something that you like. And that's how you get better. You take the recipes, itemize recipes, and you build on those recipes to actually the flavor that you have in your mouth for you to actually bring that all them flavors together. You work with it, and that's how you make it happen. That's the difference between a book chef and a chef that actually wanted to create something and become something in this industry. So have, have you cooked for uh, any big events that we might recognize? Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of my biggest accomplishments is cooking for President Obama. I did several things for him um, when he was first running and on the second term fundraiser events down here in Miami. And that was absolutely amazing. I got to tell you, you know, for me, other than you and some other people that I know, because I look at you as a mentor. I mean, you, you, the level of life and things that you have done in your life, that's where I want to see myself eventually. So I'm always going to look at that. But when I met President Obama, he's probably one of the nicest person I've ever met right off the bat. The thing that he did for me that actually blew me away, when we finished cooking the meal and present everything everybody ate, he said, look, people, I'm going back in the back of the kitchen to thank the people that's more important than you guys. You guys just cutting the check, but they actually put the food down. He came back there and he said to me, chef, I'm busy, but guess what? He went around and shook everybody in my staff hand. He said, do you want to pitch with just me and you? I said, no, let's do it for the whole staff because this is unpresidential. This is something that have never happened before. He said, brother, I do whatever you want me to do. Boom, everybody around. But that tells me a lot about him because, you know, I have a lot of people that I've cooked for. They're not once ever even say hello to one of the staff. He come and shook everybody's hand, look him in the eyes and said, thank you for what you have done. I didn't ask him to do it, but he did it on his own. That right there opened my eyes, and I, you know, one of the nicest guys I ever met in the whole entire life. So you you're down in in Palm Beach County. You're you're in Broward County. Yeah. Uh, there there are a lot of influential people and celebrities down there. Who else have have you cooked for in, in, in the state of Florida? LeBron James, D Wade. I mean, Jason Taylor, Dan Marino. The list is pretty long. I mean. Celebrities, J Lo, I mean Puffy, I mean I've cooked for Russell Simmons. I mean the list, the list is so long right now. I mean a lot of uh, Bill Gates. I mean it's a lot of celebrities I've cooked for in my lifetime. So what what are some of your specialties now? I mean you know what is like you know if 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 you had to uh, I, I was getting ready to name uh, one president. I'll just go to President Elect. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> President-elect Biden, what uh -huh. would be, if he just said, fix me a meal, what would be your go-to? Ooh, man, I got so many of those, brother. I mean, it's like, um, as far as filet, I do a phenomenal filet. Seafood, off the chain. I mean, it's so much different seafood as far as, you know, yellowtail snapper. Down here in Florida, you get so much different variety of fish. I mean, you can't find any more... Well, they import certain things, but the, in the in the in the Bahamas, it's so much different species of fish that we can draw from, and they're here every day in Florida. So, as far as seafood, we'll kill it, we'll kill it. But you know, with the health conscious with everybody else nowadays, anything that you want to put together is based upon somebody's dietary restriction. 
So most of the time when they come to me, they're going to have that ready to go and we have to adjust to it. So, you know, as far as a filet dish, awesome filet dish. As far as seafood, we'll kill it. So basically anything I put on the table, I'll make sure it's right before I put it out. So um, people have become more health conscious, uh, clearly not enough as, as we're seeing through COVID-19 and these underlining conditions. Yes. As your recipes and your style of cooking changed over the years as people are becoming more health conscious? Yes. With the underlying issues, you have, a, unfortunately, everybody's on a different diet these days for a lot of different reasons, health purpose or just following the trend. So, um, you know, people are very serious with certain things. Um, a lot of people becoming vegan. So yes, every client I have right now, we have to change in order to fit their lifestyle. Whatever lifestyle they're living that week or that year, or if it's a lifeline thing, you know, a lot of people now is yeast is a big deal for, you know, people can't, body can't absorb yeast and different things. And, you know, we will adjust to make sure that their lifestyle is right. And that's how we stay in business. So do you have, uh, do you cook at home or do you have your own building or how, how are you doing that? So I have my own commissary. I have my own commissary. I have um, 10,000 square feet of, um, of cooking space with some warehouse space also. So, yes. Uh, so, 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 chef, you know, you, you, you're really half a loop you said commissary, right? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say commercial kitchen. <laughs> commercial kitchen, yes. <laughs> Your own commissary, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how many kitchens do you have in that commissary? Um, it, it actually is a pretty big kitchen. You know, we have warehouse space. The office is separate from that area. I have another 3,000 square feet on, um, on, you know, on a three-story building on the second floor. But for us, we just need more space for storage because we have like six walk-in refrigerators because if we're doing one of those parties for 2,000 people, it's all about having space. Space to prep and put things that when we get ready to execute, we roll out put them in a refrigerator truck, go to the job site, set up shop, start cooking. So as long as we have the space, there's one big open kitchen. And of course, you can fit four kitchens in it if we needed to. But we have no space for people to cook and produce massive amount of food. And, and how has uh, your process changed during uh, COVID-19? Uh, what type of safety measures did you guys have to put in place and everything and, and food prep, food delivery and all of that? That have changed, the new normal have changed and is evolving every day. So as far as COVID, COVID put a hurt on us this year. Probably this is the worst year we ever had in business. 08 was a little bad, but not as compared to this because this came out of nowhere and it actually hit us and, you know, we wasn't prepared for it, but we we're adjust to it. Right now, all the staff are masked up. They're gloved up. We have hand sanitizers everywhere. We have the social distancing thing going. Whenever they come in, they have to check their temperatures. But the, the good thing for us is that um, we get tested at least once a week. Um, you know, down here um, is very important that we're tested because my guys know that they can't come around me if they have anything. So once a week, they're getting checked. There's a ballpark down here that, you know, is free to anybody that come up and do it. So once a week, I send them down, they get checked to make sure everybody's up because if you don't know what somebody have, you don't know what you're going to, you know, what you have to deal with. So it's very important to me because they have families. And as far as they're moving around and doing the regular activity they used to do, 
it's kind of forbidden. They have to do it in moderation because you don't want to, because if it's a small community, it breaks out, it spreads all over. And I can't afford to get clients sick. I can't afford to get anybody sick. So we're delivering a lot of lunches and dinners. So basically we have a nice box that we bought from Amazon and they come in in bulks and we just drop them at the doorstep and then ring the doorbell and then they pick them and bring in the house. So everything is up on, you know, the health department is even more crazier right now. They used to be crazy before. Now is a lot more issues and we make sure that we're on top of it because we want to be, we want to play our part and want to help this part and try to kill this virus. So we don't want to be an issue. We want to be um, somebody that's going to be able to help propel everything. If we all do our part, I think we'll be fine. So uh, think back to your younger self. I know, I know you're still young now, but think <laughs> back to, to your 18, 19, 20, 21 self uh-huh. and someone who's thinking about uh, being a chef as a career. Mm-hmm. What are the top three things you would advise them to do? Couple of things I would advise them to do. Before they spend the money going to culinary school, get with a program, get with a chef, chef that actually is going somewhere, not somebody that's looking to get out the field, and actually trying to learn and trying to get a taste of what you're going to endure later on in life if you decide to go with this career. A lot of people have worked with me before. I have a sous chef that worked with me that never went to culinary school. He worked with me for three years. He was absorbing everything like a sponge. Um, his parents, you know, they were well off. And he actually came here from Alabama. He went to New Orleans after the three years and he opened a restaurant. The parents backed him and he's doing phenomenal right, right now. But when he started, I, um, I think about six months before the COVID hit. And that's what you do. It, it, this job, as long as you know the ins and out, and the important thing about this job, control the food costs and the labor costs. The experience will come if you have the right teacher. If you have the chef that's willing to put time in and actually teach you and show you how to make these five mother sauces and how to do certain things, but you got to have an idea that you want to do that first. So once you get started and you're there and you figure, okay, this thing is going to work for me. You go in, you put that time in and you just keep pushing. And if you want to go and get a bachelor degree later on, you absolutely can. But get a taste of what you're going to experience first before you actually jump into culinary school because they have changed to a business now for culinary school. You're going for four years, you're paying, you're coming out with debt. And then guess what? What are you going to have to show for it? You're going to lose interest in this job if you're not taking it serious. And, you know, pretty much right now, you're looking at coming out for the four years, close to 60 grand to go to school for four years right now for the culinary program. If you're going to one of these high-end culinary programs, you're looking at $125,000, the minimum. So you got to be able to, you know, be able to afford that kind of bills. But if I have a kid from the inner city, like I grew up, I would actually try to get into the field first and get a taste of what I need to do. And then I will go forward from there. Got it. So we would be remiss, Chef Patrick. Mm-hmm. So you know we push the boundaries, all right? We need a recipe for like one of the favorite dishes of all time. That oh, absolutely. That's easy, okay? <laughs> don't, 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 don't give us nothing that, you know, we, we need to go to culinary school <laughs> to be able to execute on, all right? 
Absolutely, absolutely. We can definitely do a recipe. Um, I can do a written one. I can do a verbal one. Whatever is best for you. We would like a written one from you. Uh, if no you could send it to us, we would appreciate it. I get and uh, we'd also like you to send us some pictures of food, sure. uh, pictures of yourself, uh, uh, so that we can motivate uh, our readers to, uh, number one, uh, entertain more so they can hire people like you, uh, eat better, and, yes. and have food that tastes good, all right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's a pleasure. That's not a problem. I got you, brother. So this has been a a, a great uh, interview, Chef Patrick. And give us your full name and the full name of your business. Patrick Adams, and the name of the company is GD Catering. So G is in G is in uh, G is in girl, D is in dog, catering. And how can people get in touch with you? You can find us on Instagram. GD Catering and Events. And then the phone number to reach me is 561-642-4859. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate this. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Chef Patrick Adams. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. And connect with Chef Patrick and GD Catering at gdcateringandevents.com. Don't forget to claim your first six months of the Waymaker Journal free at waymakerjournal.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat to get notifications each time we release an episode.